Hello and welcome back to the Bottom Bins. Another weekend of exciting Premier League football to talk about. Uh, strange weekend, no presenters on match of the day. Very strange just to watch 20 minutes of highlights running through. Um, so keep an eye out for the Bottom Bins Extra this week. We're going to be doing a, a special episode covering... Um, well, I'll not say too much about it. I'll not say too much about it until we actually record it. But um, yeah, keep an eye out for that. But as usual, we're just going to crack on with our Premier League coverage here today. Got a couple of nice messages from people saying that they preferred last week's um, format of podcast. So we're going to stick with that for the next wee while and, and see how we get on. Like I said last week, we're just trying to get everybody here an equal voice and, and get to speak their opinions rather than question, answer, question, answer, question, answer. So I'm going to cut to the first game um, of the game week, lads. Um, we were very stunned um, when Manchester United were decimated by Liverpool um, but Liverpool looked more like Liverpool of, of this season again suffering a 1-0 defeat to Bournemouth so I think really just going to open it up guys what what did you make of the game and, and, and are we looking at typical Liverpool then? Well I kind of said on the podcast last week I expected a drop from Liverpool's performance and I, I think I predicted a draw mm-hmm. but I didn't expect them to be this bad the first 20 minutes they were good, but from then on they were really poor. And even Klopp came out after and said they kind of deserved to lose the game because they just couldn't get up for it. He said something like um, he didn't like the way Bournemouth sat back, but sure, that's what you're going to expect against a team near the bottom. Yeah. Well, they're not prepared for that, yeah. that's the question. You know, players like Salah never touched the ball. Why criticise the way another team sets up? Like, it's, yeah. it's strange, you know. Yeah. You have to beat what's put in front of you. Why yeah. criticise somebody else's tactics? Why not look at your own tactics if that's yeah. the case? Like, But, like... Um, Bournemouth were good actually to be fair to them the, you know building the midfield's good and Solanke's a good player like even against Arsenal I thought I was really impressed of that new guy Otara or something um, mm. new signing bit of speed he's yeah. got eight assists this season yeah he's um, he's doing really well he's yeah. doing well like uh, and they kept a clean sheet now by in centre back like, um, Salisy uh, he's, yeah. he's, a, he's a good player he yeah. is a good, good player and Bournemouth look a bit better at the back uh, but Liverpool were just they were brutal like you know boys like Gagpo Nunes Salah didn't get much touches of the ball they played so poorly um, Arnold again caught out for the goal yep. Van Dijk stepped up he got caught out too mm-hmm. um, them centre back was poor it was just it was just more of what had happened to Liverpool prior you know they, they played well against United they got the win 7-0 but as I said last week as well it, it's only three points Yeah. and then they've just thrown away all that momentum and now they've three brutal hard games coming up to play City, Chelsea and Arsenal so it's going to be very tough very and the tough. top four is getting out of their hands again and uh, I don't know what you boys thought about the game but it shows how, it shows how much one, like one game actually affects this league this year like, yeah. like I seen something on Sky Sports yesterday there's Five points between the bottom nine places in the Premier League. Like the relegation bottle it's is crazy. mad it's this crazy. year. Crazy. Um, but yeah, look, Bournemouth in the past four, I would say the, their past four games, they've really started to improve their performances. Mm-hmm, definitely. Look, they only have got four points from their last four mm-hmm. games, but their performances have been there a hundred percent. Like they've played Arsenal, City, and now Liverpool in their last three games, and realistically, they only won that they didn't look like they had a foot in the whole game was against Liverpool and that was the game that they ended up winning. Yeah. Um, but they put up a good fight against Arsenal. Probably look, should have come come away with something out right. of that yeah, game. Probably you should know. have came away with something in that game. Look, City, they kind of destroyed them and it wasn't until the last 10, 15 minutes where Bournemouth started to put up a fight but it showed what they were capable of. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like They could have had 
what was a 4-1 that could it genuinely could have been 4-3 in them last 10 minutes mm-hmm. Bournemouth had that many chances so it is there's positive to take there for is, what do you call him Gary O'Neill uh, Gary O'Neill uh, there's, right, yeah. there's positive to take for him especially going into the last wee stretch of the season they're still in the relegation zone on 24 points yeah. but there's four teams on 24 points so a game they're, they're playing I think they've got two games this week they need to make the most of them, especially in yeah. the run of form that they're in. But yeah, it was typical definitely. Liverpool to go and beat us 7 0 and then lose to Bournemouth. Like, yeah. as we said, mm-hmm. whenever we were discussing United and uh, Liverpool, form goes out the window. Oh, 100%. Yeah, definitely. But even, even I think if you if you look at Liverpool from last week and then look at them from this week, uh, tactically, Klopp had them set up really, really well against United. They, they sort of nulled. Um, you know, survive that initial wave of pressure from United and you could probably, you know, go and get your result and that's exactly what they did. Tactics suited the team. My biggest criticism of Liverpool this year is I can't understand why they're still playing a high line because their midfield doesn't have, have the capability of defending, um, sitting in front of the back four and protecting them mm. and that back four is not quick enough to get back and play no. a high line and recover um, these recovery runs anymore. They, they can't do it. So, I, to me personally... I know it's a bit rich coming from a Man United fan, but I, my, my biggest criticism will be on Klopp. I can't understand some of the tactics this year. Tactically, they're not fit to play in a high line, and they're still doing it week in, week out. It baffles me, makes no sense to me whatsoever. And I don't know why more Liverpool fans aren't more annoyed at their manager at this stage, to be honest. But I agree with Connor wholeheartedly. The front three wasn't good enough on the day. Never showed. Mm-hmm. And that penalty from Salah. Oh my Brutal. God. Oh my God! Do you know what though? If he had scored the penalty, Liverpool could have won like five one. Oh, they could have. Like, the, they're a momentum yeah. team, yeah. Yeah. and when they don't have the momentum in their favour, it's going to be very, very hard for Liverpool, especially with their current squad. Yeah. To go and win a game yeah. based on just their players' quality, especially because their players' home. quality isn't there for Liverpool. Yeah, especially, especially away from, from home. home. Yeah. They, just, mm-hmm. they need that at home. They're very good because they got the atmosphere. Even yeah. that United game, the atmosphere was incredible, but they haven't got that. And it, as you said, they needed that goal. The problem, I think, they definitely would have won if they scored that penalty. Hundred percent. But look at if. It's a day like was the day for Liverpool where it just seems that everything was going wrong for you. If you get a chance like that, a golden gifted opportunity, Salah from the penalty spot, you put your house on him like, and he doesn't even hit the target. Like, yeah. not only is it just the chance of a goal gone, it's the whole deflation from the team because yeah. um, that just comes in the back of head and players go, right, it's just not our day. Yeah, it's Hope's just gone. it's just not happening yeah. the way like you see it yourself. Even like anytime you're watching your own team and you miss a big chance, your head just goes off. Well. It's just not going to happen. It's day. not going to happen. You sometimes just go make up a take. Yeah. You just know that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And as soon as that happened, Liverpool players just knew it wasn't going to be there. It wasn't going to be. And the, even if they got chances later on, which it didn't really create, um, it, they weren't even going to take them. They're just, the heads just dropped off that mess. Like, Absolutely. And like they don't. It's not, really, it's not even as if he can look at the bench and can bring you know quality off the bench. Like the same way that, that we talk about City being able to turn to the bench and it can change a game. Like Liverpool just don't have that at the minute. They just don't have players on the bench that are going to come in and grab the game by the scruff and, and carry yeah. them through yeah. over the line. They like, just don't have it at the minute. These are the subs they made at the weekend. They brought Jota on at half-time. Decent player brought on for Harvey Allen. Per- Jota's out of form at the moment. Personally, I don't I don't rate him. He, he hasn't been great this season, though. He's only back from long-term injury. They brought James Miller on, who has just been... He's not going to change the game. And right back. Yeah. right back. Yeah. They brought Jordan Henderson on for Fabinho, a slow midfielder for a slow midfielder. They brought Bobby Firmino on for uh, Nunez. Firmino has got them goals. So, like, we had pretty much a like for like substitution there in terms of an attacker for an attacker. Mm-hmm. Both are kind of average as they are this season so far. 
and then they brought yeah by Carvalho on with like two minutes to go. Yeah, but th- that's what way I would agree with you to the extent of like more way I think Liverpool fans should be calling out Klopp a wee bit, uh, Richie. Like we seen United get absolutely thumped seven 0 by Liverpool, and look. <laughs> In my opinion, don't get me wrong, Liverpool were miles better than United, but it wasn't the best that Liverpool could have played. They had seven shots, seven on target, and they scored seven goals. Yeah. You know what I mean? Liverpool, if they had been playing the way Liverpool have played in the last couple of years, it could have been double figures, realistically. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. that, that wasn't Liverpool's best performance, even though the scoreline would say different. Uh, no, Do you know what I mean? They're, if they're, they're, they're very yeah. clinical. Yes. They didn't create an awful lot. Yeah, and, and they did have a lot of luck in that game as well, but... Look, we got beat 7-0 and we went and played Betis. And Eric Den Haag named the exact same 11 because he still thinks that was his best 11. And he wanted to go and win the game against Betis in the first leg. Klopp made changes to a team that won 7-0 against fucking Manchester United. Where's mm-hmm. the sense in that? And he had a week's rest. A week's rest? And like, I know they're playing Real Madrid, but that's the late like Wednesday night fixture and they're playing the Saturday morning fixture. Yeah. For- there was no excuse for wrestling players. There was such a long amount of time. It doesn't for make rest. sense. Like, Just in that aspect, especially when you were talking about the midfielder and the substitutions that they did bring on. Like I know this young fella, Bacetic, is meant to be a brilliant player, and Liverpool fans are ramping and raving about him because he's given a bit of hope in midfield this year. But like Henderson played alright against United. Like their midfield against United played well enough to stop Casemiro playing well and to stop Bruno Fernandez playing well. Mm. That should stay. That should stay enough. That they deserve to be starting against Bournemouth at the Vitality Stadium. Yeah. So I don't understand that decision. And look, all these decisions are costing Liverpool points. And we've said, we even said last week when we seen them win 7 0, that top four, they're probably favourites for it now. But with Newcastle then winning again, Wolves, it puts it all into perspective a bit again. Like, as we said last week about the relegations, there's no definitive statements that can really be made anymore. There, there's this no, league. you can't, you can't, like we can't. But at the same time, I do think out of those three teams that are competing for the top four, my personally, my money would be on Spurs. I just think they have enough quality to get them mm-hmm. through, yeah. especially with the fixtures that's left for the yeah. teams. Exactly, that are competing for top it's just, four. It's just Spurs. You don't know what you're going to get. But that's week it. In, week out. Like, but, but I think even if Spurs, I think even if Spurs kept going the way they were going, you know, win lose, win lose, win Probably lose, win in, lose, yeah. I still think they would. Getting. They've done enough so far to open up the yeah, gap. Yeah, I do. Liverpool and Newcastle aren't going to go win, 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 win. No, I can't I see genuinely it. Genuinely think if Brighton had a beat Leeds, that they would have got top four. Yeah, Brighton's been thrown away silly points as well. Really yeah. have, especially really, really have. Recently, they've been really thrown away silly well, points. Yeah, perfect, perfect segue then into then to your next game. Yeah, we'll talk about Brighton and Leeds. Obviously, finishing two two at Elland Road. Um, Owen. I was. We were chatting about this earlier. This was one of Owen's contenders for for the boob of the week. Uh, Jack Harrison, then managing to take his boob status away yeah. with a, with a wonder goal. Yeah, he got an absolute screamer in. So <laughs> he got a boob job. <laughs> <laughs> he, got, he got some boob production certainty there. Come on, Jack. Look at, it was actually good enough for game to watch. It was right. a very good game of football. Um, very good game of football. Brighton thrown away silly points. Brighton had the chances to win this game. Didn't yeah, they? fully. Like Alexis McAllister, they scored a goal to play well either. Really good chance earlier on when Matoma, Matoma, Matoma pulled the back, caught it back, yeah, and oh I just God. got the shot. As fuming, he's my captain player of the week. Uh, Matoma's supposed to be my captain. I've got the bloody confirmed. I'm still fuming <laughs> over it. Um, look, at, we talk about Brighton, like we've waxed lyrical about Brighton, and I don't want us to take away anything that Brighton's done because they've had a fantastic season. But just recently, the, like the Drew of Leeds, okay, the hammered West Ham, that was a good result for them. Beat by Fulham, beat by Fulham, Drew with Palace, beat Bournemouth one 0 
beat Drew with Leicester. Like, there's such, such many stupid results that if they had a turn in the ones, would be really cruising towards the top four. Yeah, place. definitely. Like, definitely. They could, they could, over just even the last two months, Brighton should have at least another eight, eight nine points. 100%. On the definitely. board. Like, Especially yeah. against the same teams and they don't, this season. Yeah, yeah, and that's the annoying thing about Brighton because they are playing great football. I, like, I know it's a mad thing to say Brighton in the Champions League whatever, but I'd love to see it with the football they're playing unreal, and yeah. just the storyline of it. But they're throwing away their chance. Yeah. They're kind of like, they're going to get European football most likely. They're, like they're definitely going to get Conference League. I'd be shocked if they, but they're not going to collapse because of some great players. But they're going to lose these players. Yeah, the likes of McAllister, the likes of Casado, Matoma. These boys are going to be in the shop window now. And if they hadn't been able to get that Champions League football, that is a massive lure to turn around and go to McAllister, Matoma, and all these boys. Give us one more year. We've got your Champions League football. Yeah. Let's see what we can do in Europe. A hundred percent. Look, I agree with you, but I, I don't think a lot of these players are actually going to leave no, in the summer. No, even though Brighton are selling club. Yeah, I, I think, right, fair enough, Caicedo will go. I, I think McAllister will go too. I, I know. No, yeah. I don't. I don't think McAllister's going to go. I think there's more chance of McAllister than Caicedo. Caicedo just signed a new contract yeah, in 2027. Yeah. yeah, but the club have already said that contract is literally just for the so, release clause. so they can get get a release clause <laughs> yeah. for him. That, that's all that contract look, was for. I, I, even I, still, though, 2027, sign the contract. Like Realistically, if nobody comes in and pays that release clause or nobody finds an agreement with Brighton, Caicedo's there till 2027 whether he likes it or not well, yeah if he if he doesn't like it or not but to be fair somebody will buy Caicedo no, I know, that, like, I, know that, know, that, I know that there's too many clubs interested in him I think for that release clause not to be paid I think look if McAllister was looking to leave Brighton like he was asked after the World Cup and he was like we talked about it on this podcast he was very Brighton centric very Brighton positive I think he'll stay Matoma will definitely stay because yeah, yeah. he's only like realistically he's only broke onto the scene he has and yeah. by the time the season's over I've seen they're already in contract talks with him now at the minute he's going to get a huge pay raise and they want a longer term contract he'll be at Brighton I'd say past this summer Re- then realistically what other sellable assets are you looking at with, with Brighton I I don't think they'll, they'll look to sell. Maybe Lamptey, I'd say, yeah, could be could be moved on. Cash in on Lamptey. Cash in on him now. Yeah. Because he's not hasn't worked breaking. Out since, uh, yeah. since he broke through, it hasn't worked He's out. not broken but, back into the team. But he, they'd still get that decent bit of money for look, him. Look, like, I'd say they'd still get 20 million for him. 15, 15 to 20 million. Perhaps, but like the this is a player that was meant to be going to Sporting on deadline day on loan. Yeah. yeah. I know, With a £10 million buy option. Of course they will. Like <laughs> I'd, be more, I'd be more worried about the manager leaving. I think he'll go in the... Somewhere, but like the likes of Lamptey is the potential is clearly there. So there, yeah. and he's and as no we've banged on and on about it, he is English. Mm. That does carry, but a it bit does, of, it does. Bit of money it, like. mm. And he is, he's obviously a good player. Like when he first came through at Brighton, everybody was looking at him. United were looking at him when we were looking at Wamasaka. Yeah, we were talking about like forty million for this player, but yeah, they, look, they are well, what, a selling club. How much was Wamasaka? Fifty, fifty million. <laughs> Yeah, the three options that United were looking at, like English options, was young fella from Norwich, Max Orange, uh-huh. um, Lamptey, and Aaron Wamasaka. And to be honest, I'm I'm pretty happy with Wamasaka. Yeah, out of those three, got the best. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, but look, Brighton are a team. Like, what sets Brighton apart for me in this top four race is the reaction that they had whenever Alexis McAllister did win the World Cup when he came back in. You wanted, I'm sure you've all seen like the squad gather around yeah, him and they yeah. had like a big party for him. Like that squad mentality is there at that club, and that's why I do understand what you're saying, Richie. That these players might stay at Brighton, especially if they get mm. European football. Why not get a taste of European football yeah. before moving somewhere else, moving 
possibly moving to a different country to play their football. Yeah, definitely. So, as Owen said, these results against Leeds, they're throwing points away. Mm-hmm. They, definitely. Especially when they were 2-1 up. They should not have been losing that game. Well, Welbeck's miss was brutal. Welbeck's yeah, miss was brutal. He, he, done, he done all the hard work. Welbeck yeah. done really well. He had the position and then just skated. And that's part of the problem with Brighton. Because their quality off the bench and stuff is yeah. the likes of Danny Welbeck. Who yeah. look, is a prime proven striker in that. But if you're looking to be challenging for top four, for Europa League places, you need Europa League quality strikers. Uh, yeah, definitely. You and need even, Champions League yeah. quality strikers. Yeah. On the so bench like, and on the pitch. Look, their squad depth. Like that for you. Their squad depth's not the same as other clubs in the Premier League, and yeah. uh, look, that's just that's just where they're at. So you know, was, it's not their fault. Mm, you know, they, they haven't built a squad to challenge for your European football. No, really. no, they they built, they've built a squad to stay in the Premier League. Realistically, realistically get yeah. mid table. Yeah, get mid table. So yeah. like, this is not a, come as a surprise to them because obviously they believe they can do it. But this isn't what their squad's designed to do and challenge. For European places, no, so they, no. they are seriously punching, mm-hmm. yeah. and they've had a great season so far. And it, it's a testament to how good their season that we're saying a draw against Leeds is, is a bad result for them because they're throwing away Champions League football. Like if you had said that at the start of the season, like how crazy would you have looked in a statement like that? I, know, I, know. I do hope that Brighton are ruthless, though. Like yeah, they they just signed Adam Lallana onto another contract for another year. And look, I know Adam Lallana's done it week week in week out in the Premier League for years and years. He's he's been a stable player, Premier League player, but he's not the type of player who's going to get you to the Champions League. And I just hope they're not too nice with their players, such as Danny Welbeck and stuff, who mm-hmm. have done a job for them since they've came to the club. I hope they're not just going to give these players contracts for the sake of being nice to them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He I might, think they need to be ruthless. The manager wanted to keep him though, so he must be like a good team no, player. No, no, I, I understand mean, yeah. that. I understand that, but I, I just mean that calibre of player. Yeah, I they hope they're not going to... Yeah. Yeah. I just hope 100%. they don't offer them new contracts for the absolute the, sake of it. Them and Arsenal are probably playing the best football in the Premier League at the moment. Hmm? Yeah. Like they are so good to watch but it's just killer mistakes and even the goal they switched off from a corner mm-hmm. Arsenal sticks in the top corner they were unlucky with the first goal um, but Brainer playing so well and as you said if they could have kept picking up them points they definitely would have got I think they would have got fourth but I just think they keep slipping up so much and they did the same under Potter they just mm-hmm. couldn't score goals they create chances but they can't score goals and you're not going to get top four with that but hopefully they do get European football yeah well in terms of the other side of this game, it's a big point for Leeds. Massive. It's a point yeah, game it for Leeds in a very, very tight relegation battle. Um, like they've had poor results recently as well. Like obviously beating Pete by everything was really bad for them. They now they're away to Wolves now in the next fixture. That's massive for Leeds. That was a massive game. So it was tough to go to Molyneux yeah. as well. Very Any tough, club, very tough, especially a six pointer like this. Mm-hmm. Like they are, are they in the relegation zone or they're in the relegation Not zone. Yeah, just zone yeah. they're one of that gaggle on twenty four points. Yeah, so like. Look at it, one result changes everything in the Premier League this season, but that's a massive point for Leeds. I yeah. still don't think they'll push on. I still think they're they're one of the they're all in danger down there, mm. but I think they're one of the ones that are in the very the highest danger. Yeah. Even Wolves are. Wolves are only in yeah. twenty seven points. That's what I was gonna say. It's so hard to get out of there because yeah. Wolves they look like they got out a wee bit and yeah. now they're straight they back in. Yeah. And Palace are in there. It's just It's just crazy. it's it's literally like the, all these teams, like you feel like you're watching the same side every week. Yeah, you mm-hmm. do. Yeah. But it's it's these games that do matter. These games where they are yeah. playing against yeah, one against another. Other, that, these these yeah. are the ones that are important. Like these are the ones you can't afford like no, to slip lose. up. And that, that's the one that gives you daylight. Exactly. You need to be switched on from the first whistle, and you, you treat it like a cup final. Like and that's what these games are between these sides. They're cup finals from here to, to the end of the season. And like looking at Leeds, yeah, do you know what? It is a good result. To get to get a point, but at the same time, I'd say especially that last sort of twenty minutes of the game, I'd say they're annoyed that they're not coming out of that game three two winners, 
because Webster went off injured. I actually thought he was probably Brighton's best defender on, on, on the day. Um, and when he came out of the game then, I, I sort of thought, oh, Leeds could probably push on from here. Yeah. That last 20 minutes, Leeds were completely overwhelming. Brighton looked yeah. like the much better side. And I, I would say that um, Leeds, Leeds would come out of that game thinking... That's, uh, that really could be a big missed opportunity yeah. the there. Brod- like. The brought Rodrigo on as well. He's yeah, a top. He's a good player. Good he's, to see him back. He, he needs to come back because he's got like ten goals in the Premier League or something yeah. for them. Start of the league, he was on. Yeah, he's just been injured a lot. So if he can come back and Bamford's back playing, he scored. Bamford's Obviously, a bit of luck. What took it back? But it was it was a good goal. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but still, still Bamford scoring. That's a big plus for them as well. Like they need. To <laughs> You're a dick to her. <laughs> I took a massive <laughs> deflection to be fair. Like I did. I did take a deflection. We'll move on. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, all right, I'm just going to move it on then to the top of the table. Just going to move it on to Fulham. Um, at home to Arsenal. Ended up getting beat 3 0. Arsenal had the job wrapped up in the first 46 minutes of the game. Um, personally, um, I was quite surprised. I thought Fulham would put up more of a fight. Um, I was shocked at how easy Arsenal made it look. I, you know, last week I criticised them big time. I said the, the performances were not matching the score lines and not matching the results. Well, they went out, as we keep saying on this podcast, you may hope that we call your team shit because yeah. or say that they're underperforming or that a certain player's not playing well because you can bet your ass the minute we say it, they go out that weekend and completely disprove whatever it is that you've just said. So thanks very much, Miguel Arteta. Thank you very much, <laughs> Arsenal. You've made me look a dick. Um, but look, yeah, like I said, for the first 46 minutes, Arsenal were absolutely on fire. Big positive for them is that Gabriel Jesus is back and um, come off the bench. Had a decent cameo, I have to say. Nice couple of touches. Um, I think he'll be annoyed that he wasn't amongst the goals as such. Um, but, yeah, look, Arsenal played some some lovely, lovely football. And um, I think we have to talk about the record that um, Leandro Trossard broke. He's the only player to um, have three assists in one half at an away ground in a Premier League ever. Um, it's massive. Um, yeah. He's, yeah. he's been... He was one of those signings in, in January that was, you know, oh, well, he's not Mudrick. You know, oh, they didn't get Mudrick. You know, they had to settle for Trossard. Well, if you're settling for a player as good as Trossard, I know who did better out of that out of that deal. Yeah. yeah and no. Chelsea didn't get the better player. Yeah, no. Well, look, Arsenal got the better player. We talked about that extensively when we were doing our transfer roundups in the Bonobins. Like, make sure and check them out, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, look, the one thing we were talking about with Trossard coming into Arsenal, because we never, ever doubted his quality. We knew he was an unbelievable player, and this season he was brilliant for Brighton. The only thing we doubted was that attitude problem that he might have had, because mm-hmm. that was what Deserby was saying, and all the stuff that was coming out in the press was that Trossard was the imp in the camp and stuff like this here and whatever. Um, but look, he's, he's came in for that Arsenal team at a crucial time, mm-hmm. by the way, mm-hmm. because he started coming into the first 11 after Eddie Nketiah got injured and he was playing through the middle in that false nine role and he was always having the great performances, mm. just wasn't getting the goals and the assists, but now he is. Yeah. And look, Gabriel Jesus might be back, but he's not guaranteed to start straight away. No, no, definitely I mean? not. Like Leandro Torres is playing unreal, Sack is playing unreal and Martinelli, is, he's kicked it up a notch in the yeah, last few weeks. Back, yeah. And as you said, Richie, like I did not expect it to be so easy for Arsenal in no. this game I, I fully expected Fulham to push them to the test especially at Craven Cottage like yeah, with, yeah. with Mitrovic and all there like they had a full team but we've seen it towards the end of that game as well like we've seen 
in the United and Liverpool game, Andreas Pereira flying himself into tackles that he just didn't need to do and stuff like that there. Like, they lost their heads. Full them. Uh-huh. And, look, going to the league leaders at any stage of the season is always going to be tough. Or, or playing the league leaders, sorry, not going to them, but playing the league leaders is always going to be tough. But yeah. Arsenal really showed that they might actually have the quality to go on and win the whole damn thing. I think one thing, Oren, um, and if, if you haven't already, please check out Oren's article on, on Jai Polina on the bottom bins. Um, WordPress, you pointed it out in that article. Fulham really missed the influence of Polina. Yeah, and when yeah. he's not on the pitch, they don't look in any way defensively inclined. Yeah, yeah. I think if, if Paulinho is on the pitch, okay, maybe Arsenal still go on and win the game, but it's definitely it's a, not a, a tougher game yeah. for them, you know. Your boy wasn't playing either the centre-back, Diop. Diop, yeah. He's been very good this season. Yeah. I thought he was a big must too. It shows that Fulham have kind of found their best eleven, yeah. And like we've just said about Brighton, they don't necessarily have the squad depth because Fulham are competing for European places this season too. Yeah. Overachieving. Like yeah, time, fully overachieving, squad, but yeah. they don't have that squad depth and yeah. that killer instinct. No, like no definitely not. Like even Newcastle this season do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And look, don't get me wrong, they made some great acquisitions in Chandra. Yeah. Um, you know, I have to say, even though Fulham didn't play great, I was impressed with Lukic. Um, every time he's come into the side this year, he looks like a very competent midfielder. And they picked this guy up for a million. He's not afraid in the ball. No, he's not. Which is what you need in a midfielder. I mean, I mean, the guy played at the World Cup. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you yeah. don't, you don't play if you're yes, okay, fair enough. Serbia is maybe not the sexiest names in terms of national teams, but they're they're a good outfit, mm-hmm. you know. And he's very comfortable, and I, I think he could be one to watch for for the future. He's still a young guy. And, and it just seems as though Fulham's transfer policy, especially from that big spending spree that they had the last time they were in the Premier League. Right, John yeah, McHale, yeah. Sarah, you know? yeah, yeah, like it seems as though now that they've got it right, the recruitment is suiting the, the system of football that they want to play. But like I said, yeah, look, they definitely miss Joe Pellini at the minute and I'd say they can't wait to have him back look, inside yeah, that yeah. starting eleven. It, it can't be overlooked how well Arsenal have reacted to a string of pretty bad results. Mm-hmm. Like obviously they had that week or the or week and a half or they got beat by Everton, they drew off Brantford and got beat by Sudde. Yep. Like that was prime position for us and the completely crumble. But now they've put five five wins in the bounce in the Premier League since then. Yep. And I think Arteta mm-hmm. and the entire team deserves massive credit for having the mentality to do that. Yep. And I think Martinelli has hit serious form. I'm, look, I'm not comparing the two players here before you all jump on me. Um, See if you mention Marcus Rashford. <laughs> I know exactly where you're going because yeah, no. you definitely seen the Sport Bible post that was put up like yesterday exactly, or the yeah, day yeah. before. And, that's what he's and going now you're like, oh, I'm going to take that on to the podcast. No, you, oh, go- do you want to hear what he said? And I'm sorry, Owen, but do you want to hear what he said to me yesterday in the car? He goes, "Much of the day I had no commentary, so I don't know what to say on the podcast anymore." Wow. <laughs> well, that was just- Gary Lineker does your job for you, does he, mate? <laughs> <laughs> I was actually going to compliment Marcus Rashford before. <laughs> I'm not saying Martinelli's a better player than Rashford because he's not but Rashford has had a fantastic season as you would agree mm-hmm. and he scored 14 goals in the Premier League Martinelli's only scored two less mm-hmm. which is a testament how well Martinelli's been playing yeah, yeah. he's not he's on Rashford's good. level but he's having a great season mm-hmm. that's all I was going to say before you all went no, look, blur witch that's on fair me. enough I, I thought you were going to come in hot I thought you were going to start taking the piss out of Rashford and I was not for having it <laughs> uh, simple as that I was like, going to have um, to put my foot down party coming back as well he obviously played last week and played well but he's big for them and Odegaard's goal was yeah. very good as well yeah so. look Odegaard he, he, every week this season you watch Odegaard he is just very classy just a really really good midfielder Fielder, yeah, yeah. He got best player there at the London Aye, at those London yeah, awards why, last why, night. Why is there awards very early? Yeah. It's, it's very only early. for London clubs, but it's still early. It's March time. It's kind of. But it's play- they were, I know. I know out there, but it was like player of the year and stuff. But it's only for London clubs, yeah. so I'm not taking any notice no. to no. any of them awards. 
to be fair, he's still he's still been this season probably top three player in the Premier League. To me, I think if look good. if Arsenal win the league, I think yeah. he, he has I to think be he'll player of the year. And don't get me wrong, like I I love Saka. I keep saying it every week. Uh, you know, if there was one player from Arsenal I could have at United, it would be Saka in the morning, a hundred percent. But there's just something about Odegaard. You just watch him, and he's just. He's just different. Like he is yeah, different. Yeah. I, I, he's as close to Kevin De Bruyne as you can get Definitely. without being Kevin De Bruyne. He plays the game at like half speed. Like it's like everybody else is on half speed around him. Yeah. He yeah. just he just reads it so well. Yeah. And he's just so calm and composed. Mm-hmm. And Even his goal, like he was so calm for. Oh, uh, like, just just strokes it in. Guys. Just mm-hmm. strokes it in. Yeah. Like he's. Uh, but for Fulham footballer. as well, I thought I was disappointed as well. See the second goal especially. You yeah. Robinson ducking for the header. There was no intensity in that game. No. I, I don't know. The first thirty minutes they were dreadful. I know. Again, like the way Bournemouth done it against uh, City the last 20. I think they were good. Mitrovic at the crossbar and yep. stuff. It was too little too late. And even yeah. Silva said after the game, he was like, the first half was just not good enough. We just didn't come out of the blocks. Yep. And maybe that is because they're missing some top players. I don't think Willian played either. No, he didn't. He so didn't. Like, he's been playing well this season. So they were missing a few, but still full credit to Arsenal because we did give them a bit of stick last week. We were saying they weren't playing well, which they weren't. But if they can pick this form up, they're going to win the league. Yeah. But as they got, they've got 11 games, so it's going to be tough to keep this form up. But they've got Jesus coming back. Um, Strokes are playing well. Martinelli playing well. Saka, like it's it is. It's looking scary. Good. Look, they have some. Yeah. They've good attacking talent there. Looking good. Definitely do. Definitely do. All right, boys. I'm going to move it on then to um, another side that we have given a, a, a lot of uh, stick to, but they've now two wins on the bounce. Um, one midweek against Borussia Dortmund. Chelsea managing to get a three-one victory away to Leicester. Um, so yeah. Anybody want to jump in on that one? Three uh, ones, but. Flattering too, Chelsea. Yeah. Honestly, Leicester had some serious chances. Mm-hmm. I think it was it Harvey Barnes hit one where he just didn't. No, hit, um, Dewsbury Hall. Dewsbury Hall yeah. just didn't catch the ball at all. I like six yards out, open net. They hit the crossbar. Yeah. Kepa was like flapping the crosses anytime yeah. they came near. Yeah, they got uh, Kovacic's goal to kill the game was an outrageous really? finish, like absolutely outstanding. Um, but Chelsea didn't look great. Obviously, they got the win, and that's what the job job was there. Like it's all well and good being fantastic until the final shot. And mm-hmm. um, look at this two wins in the bounce. You say for Chelsea had a massive win during the week for in the Champions League. Um, even though all the controversy around the penalty mm-hmm. and stuff and the retaking of it, which obviously is the rules of the game. I don't agree with it, but we're not going to get into that. Potter, as we say every week, has kind of put kicked the can down the road a wee bit. In my opinion, mm-hmm. still don't think he's the right man for the job. I still feel this is papering over the cracks and they're still using pa- uh, thin paper as I said last week mm-hmm. in a more yeah. aggressive manner um, <laughs> yeah sorry can we address that first of all my man was on serious smoke last week <laughs> who hurt you lad <laughs> no we were, list- we were listening to it down the road the other day and I was like what in god's name was wrong with me that day? I was furious about everything stuff I don't really care about I was going ham on it <laughs> no look at- it was a good not- it's a result Chelsea desperately needed <laughs> He yeah. was, he was fucking all right. <laughs> <laughs> Things come back in the He was like, he was in a brothel or something. <laughs> <laughs> Your boy Kovacic has come into the team as well. He's been good. Hi, Kovacic. Yeah. 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 What about, um, what about uh, Havertz's goal, boy? Even I have to give him a bit of credit as a nice finish. Big K Havertz, boy. Yeah, K Havertz. Yeah, but he, I still don't rate about <laughs> the finish. But I think Danny Ward was brutal. Oh, oh, the first goal is awful. And Havertz's goal. Oh. Awful. The, the first goal he, he left the Red Sea oh. open in his near post mm-hmm. he just decided oh chill, chill while I was going to shoot here I suppose I'll dive I'll do it now <laughs> balls already in that and then 
Yeah, for Havertz, his goal, he was just caught in no man's yeah. land. He came, he went back, he came again, he was doing the bloody hokey pokey. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we had cameras. I, I honestly <laughs> wish we videoed. Owen, Owen is doing the hokey yeah, cokey here. <laughs> Owen, what about uh, Kappa for Chelsea or Leicester school? What do you think of that? Kappa wasn't great either. Yeah. He just happened to be the one who was lucky enough that the other team couldn't score. He was pretty poor all around. It was, yeah. it was two poor goalkeeping yeah. performances and Chelsea were lucky enough that um, they managed to finish the chances that the goalkeeper gave them. Look, you're a goalkeeper, obviously, Owen, and this is something I do want to put to you. I know I said I wouldn't ask questions, but this is genuinely something I want to get your opinion on. So, Kepa was obviously the Chelsea goalkeeper, paid a lot of money for him, but mm-hmm. then he was kicked out of the side, replaced with Adam Ward-Mendy. Now, he's taken Mendy's place. Do you think Chelsea need to sign a goalkeeper in the summer? Do you think Kepa's good enough to keep playing at this level? Tight one, because he is a good goalkeeper. He mm-hmm. has... Showing it that he has the capability to make great saves, and he is he's pretty decent with his feet. He's calm enough, but he does make he's just prone to stupidity, and I think that's just kind of the personality he has. That mm-hmm. He likes to take risks, and sometimes they don't pay out, they mm-hmm. don't pay off, and sometimes they do pay off. And look, they're two great goalkeepers. Like like Edward Mandy was in the FIFA Pro Eleven like two years ago. Yeah, best goalkeeper in the world, mm-hmm. and now he's lost the spot. He's injured though. Eh? He's injured. Like yeah, but he wasn't injured and he was dropped as well. Yeah. It was even before mm-hmm. he was. It, it was per, it, it was per performance. Yeah, yeah, he he he's bad, not even, but he's not even on the bench. I was surprised that like I thought it was just a short term injury, but he's been out for for, mm-hmm. for a long time. He probably yeah. would have got back in because Kep has been okay. But as you said, like sometimes he just switches off. Yeah, and he just gives in. Like the, I think he should have saved that shot from Daga. To be honest, I think he just switched off. He just didn't think he'd shoot from there. Mm-hmm. You know, a bit like Ward with the first goal. They just yeah, but the, alert. the difference between like I don't think it was great, but. That was still a good finish from yeah. Daka more than from Chilwell's goal. Like I oh, put, a lot, more, put brutal, a lot more blame yeah. on Ward for Chilwell's and I wouldn't Kappa for oh, Daka's goal. For that goal yeah. the, my concern more of Kappa was come, when he was coming for crosses, he was just flapping oh, the yeah. air and like a better team would have finished the chances they presented. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. Back to should Chelsea bring the goalkeeper? Possibly, but who's out there? That they're gonna have to spend big money on Sunday. Mm. Like David Reyes, obviously the one that's yeah, gonna come up. Yeah. But obviously David Reyes United's talking about Raya there's other clubs talking about Raya so it's going to have to be turned yeah. into a big bidding war Definitely. and they're going to have to get rid of at least one of Kepper and Mandy because yeah. if you're bringing in another goalkeeper why are you going to have three massively paid goalkeepers um, on the on the payroll when you're only going to be you can only use one of them in a match Definitely. yeah um, well look there is something that, that I want to talk to you is about in general just um, so I had done an article there this week on the bottom bins Paul just looking at VAR and some of its biggest mistakes this season again within this Chelsea and Leicester game we've seen a challenge made upon a player you're looking at it and you're thinking how how is this guy stayed on the pitch then you look at the Man United game Casemiro sent off for look something that I understand was a red card but I, I, I'm just we're, we're consistently now every week seeing maybe the same thing in one game and another game, but there being a completely different outcome in each game. Yeah. So Casemiro receives a red card for his challenge. Leicester player receives no card. The only thing that's consistent is the VAR inconsistencies. See, mm-hmm. yes, yeah. exactly. It, it's Look, g- give me your take on it then, lads. What what, what are we saying? Are you did, did you feel like that challenge was, was worthy of a card then? Which one, the, the Leicester game? The, in the Leicester yeah, game. Yeah, that was a red card. The funny thing is, the referee that was on the pitch for that game then was the VAR guy who said to Anthony Taylor, 
send off Casemiro. Mm. It's just like, where's the consistency? Where is the consistency? I yeah. thought Casemiro was actually unlucky, but I think your boy was it Pereira, was it? I think it was Pereira. There's a few yeah. tackles in that game that were really uh, fight, tough, fight, um, but there's no consistency with VAR. And again, then, boys, just talking about those controversial VAR decisions. I'm moving on then to Old Trafford. Man United drawing nil nil with Southampton. In the first 20 minutes, we've seen the, the red card of Casemiro. It's his second red card in three Premier League games now. So, look, Connor, obviously you thought that, that one against Leicester was was yeah. um, a red card. So, look, what are we saying about um, Casemiro's one, lad? I thought it was unlucky. Um, they were saying as well, like, his leg wasn't actually straight. He, he went for the ball, genuinely went for the ball. He kind of hits his foot off it, and then it goes, hey... I know the studs were up, but he didn't go straight in with the tackle. It was kind of like bent leg. Aye. His leg was bent. I thought it was very unlucky, and I didn't think it was worth far changing. But as I said with your boy, he he was refereeing the game the day before, no red cards. And, and no then red he card, must have thought, yeah. oh, I, I've got to have to send him off because I made so much mistakes mm. yesterday. Um, and they gave him Casemiro's reaction, like he was just gutted. Like he, he didn't mean to hurt the player. Should the two of them go straight up and hug each other yeah. straight away was, after? It, uh, and it ruined you know? the game as well for United. It was actually a good nil nil to be fair. As far as that was cool. Yeah. It was a great game. It was a good game, was, but yeah. for United, I think United definitely would have won that game. Ah, yeah. Doesn't Doesn't that 11, no. no. Yeah, really Sam didn't really kick on. That's no. I was a bit disappointed in Sam because I was like, you thought they would have just, you know, yeah. took the game on. And there really the only chances were like set pieces. I know yeah. Walcott missed a one on one. But that's the Walcott, isn't it? Like, that's. Yeah. You just can't finish. But. Um, in their last four games, they have seven points with that new manager. That the last good four games, which is the same as they had in their previous twelve games before yeah. that, and like this game, um, whenever it went down to ten men, I was thinking, Do you know what, Southampton really have the ability to turn United yep, over here, definitely. and they did have the better chances, yes, fair enough, but it's not a testament to a team, and it shows why Southampton's down at the bottom whenever they're playing against ten men, ten men, and they're not looking much stronger when they have an extra mile. They did I mean? the same against Wolves a couple of weeks ago as yeah. well. You know, Wolves yeah. went down to ten men, and then Wolves looked like the better side. And it is strange, like yeah. It, it's it's strange yeah. their the sort of mentality or whatever it is that they have. But look, I, I I'm in agreement with you, Connor. To me personally, look, of course it comes across as bias because we're Man United fans. But I like the reaction of the players afterwards showed to me just how much it shouldn't have been a red card because both men got up and your by Alcaraz like, hugged him straight away and was like oh, it was. You went for the ball. Yeah. You know, yeah. first of all, first and foremost, the thing I look at is does the player win the ball? Mm-hmm. Casemiro won the ball. Yeah. Won the ball. That's the first thing. It's not his fault that his foot comes off the top of the ball yeah. and then connects with your fella's shin. He's so unlucky. Like to me, did. look, fair enough. You want to give the free kick? Yeah. You want to yeah. give a yellow card? Fair enough. Fair mm-hmm. enough. I don't think I don't think it should have been taken any further than that. There, it to be sh- honest, it shouldn't have. Like the referee seen it. He had a good view of it first time. And I don't understand why they felt it was necessary for him to go and have a look at it mm-hmm. when he made the yeah. on-field decision. decision. Yes. And realistically, when everything is slowed down, it looks a hell of a lot worse. And I think that's the only reason it was mm-hmm. like yeah, upgraded definitely. to a red card. Yeah. He gave the, he he was literally about five yards away from the challenge. He seen a clear as day, and he felt on-field that that was yeah. a yellow card decision. Do you know what they called it? Violent conduct. Yeah, it's disgraceful. Where, where's the violence in that? No. No. There was no, there was no intent there to hurt the player. Intent, no. There was no, like it's as Connor says, Casimir's leg is half bent. It's not yeah. as if he stretched right out, you know, yeah. like like it's a last ditch lunge and tackle. Exactly. He makes perfect contact with the ball. Like yeah. you know, that's just what annoys me. We're seeing this week in week out. Arsenal are being denied stonewall penalties week in week out. Yeah. And look, I'm not an Arsenal fan, but. 
I can see it as clear as day. They're being denied stonewall penalties left, right and centre. It seems as though against certain teams, they don't seem to get the call. And funny, when I was writing the article, I looked at a VAR table. So... People might be sitting here going, yeah, you're a United fan, you just get every VAR decision, this, that and the other. Actually, United are 10th in the VAR table for the amount of points that they've gained because of VAR. So there, there, there is an agenda there. Who, do you know who the, who the team is that's at the top? Man City. Man City. Yeah. They've got so many penalties. Man City get yeah. the most points yeah. through the use of VAR. Liverpool are third. Yeah. On the other, coming from the non-best perspective, Perspective, I do feel Casemiro is like unlucky, but I do still feel that it was a red card. Like, there's no, as you said, there's no intent to do player, it wasn't violent conduct, but he does at the end of the day still catch him studs on the shin. I know he bounces over the ball. I do feel I can understand where you are come from the frustration because everybody's frustrated, it's clearly inconsistencies. Yeah. And the fact that he was the referee the day before <laughs> and didn't give a red card and then now sitting in the VAR booth, he tells the official to upgrade it to a red card. It doesn't make any sense. I feel, is the clear and obvious error, that's where the inconsistencies come for me. If Casemiro was handed a straight red card, I don't feel there'd be as much debate about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But was there enough in it to upgrade it to a red card? That's the 50-50 for me. Um, as you said, there was no intent to do him. It wasn't violent conduct. He was wasn't necessarily out of control. That's I know you say like his ball, his foot bounces off the ball and up. That maybe is where they're saying that he was out of control. That he couldn't control that action of his leg. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to see maybe why they thought to upgrade it in real time. To me, I think it should have been a straight red, but I don't think there was enough to upgrade it. You think it was a straight red? Um, he does still catch him high on the shin with his studs. That's, that's oh mate, he it's does, just lad. Uh, it's just a consistency though. Like and then slow it down. That just annoys me because yeah. everything looks worse. worse in slow motion. Like they, he had to come over and see that in slow motion. Like I just I, just I don't understand. But I feel like that there is. I feel like there's an issue with Casemiro. I really really do because in the same game week. This has happened twice now to Casemiro. So in the same game week where he apparently choked Will Hughes and then when you see it from the opposite angle and he's holding his jersey, he's not even holding your boy's neck. In that same brawl, Jordan Ayew's punching Fred in the face and there's nothing done about that. That same weekend, Everton play Liverpool and Cody grips Robertson by the throat and by the face and there's no card for that. So you're looking at it going, well, why's he getting a red card? And now the same thing this weekend. You know, the, the Leicester player, I think it was Pereira. Yeah. You know, Pereira can put in a similar sort of challenge on the Chelsea man. Studs high up, catches him on the shin. No card there. Yeah. But when Casemiro does it, it's a red card. Mm-hmm. I, I do just feel like there is some sort of personal vendetta against Casemiro, to be but honest. You know I think the cause of these inconsistencies is, is another way, like, VAR isn't done at the stadium. Yeah. It's done in a room in London. Mm-hmm. Because there's so much happening at the three o'clock games, I feel that can lead to inconsistencies. Because they're focusing on different things at different games at different times. Because they're all doing it at the same place at the same time. But how is it, lad, we can sit here on a podcast, right, and we're no football gurus. We, we've never done refereeing courses or anything like that in our lives. How come we can sit here and say that that decision's right or wrong? Like, we know it. We know it as football fans. So why are they getting it wrong? Mm. These guys are supposed to be top of their level. These guys are getting paid the big bucks to, to, to make these decisions. And yet we're still coming in every week and saying wrong, wrong, wrong. Yeah. They don't use any common sense either. No, they don't. You know, they didn't really like. Casemiro was so unlucky there. Like, 
It's just consistency, though. It is just dreadful. The, the bigger disgrace of the whole thing is the fact he's now banned for four games. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah, a disgrace. Brutal. That, fair enough, I can understand the three-game ban he got for the Will Hughes thing. No matter how soft it was, the latter law he was done for the violent conduct of choking another player. That should should warrant a three-game ban. We can get into, into it again, whether it was warranted or not, but because that was the punishment for the crime he committed. The fact that this is down as violent conduct... You shouldn't be getting the four-game ban or minimum three-game ban, whatever it is, for mistiming a tackle when there's no intention to hurt somebody. I think that's a disgrace. Um, look, I know, as you know, fans are rightfully pissed off about it and the inconsistencies are an absolute joke and there isn't really any excuse. Like, It's not like this is a new technology. Like, How long has VR been in the Premier League now? Three years. Three years. Like, it's not... It's, other sports can do it well. Yeah. Like, When have you ever seen the controversy... On something like this over a rugby game, no. you know what I mean. Like it's not like in the Six Nations, it's not week in week. No, out. exactly, like, exactly. Calls the arms over a bad TMO decision. Mm-hmm. So it people run on it like it's just, it they're making the decisions. You know, it's not that too far. Yeah. And the only way you're ever going to get consistency is if the same body does VAR every game, which is never. Well, gonna it's happen it's not going to happen I, exactly. And look, I know it seems like I'm constantly bringing up Man United decisions here. It's just because they're the only ones that stick fresh mm-hmm. in my mind. It's not as if this is just happening to Man United. It's happening to every club in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, one week you get a decision, and then the next you don't. And it's just like. Again, you know, we're looking at VAR decisions. If you just take the Man United and Southampton game, United should have had two penalties. Yeah. Well, the, the handball was definitely a penalty. That's, mm-hmm. See that first 45 minutes of refereeing from Anthony Taylor? That's the most shocking refereeing against... Uh, I, I can only speak for being it being against United, but that's, that's the worst refereeing I've seen this season. Yeah. For that 45 minutes was terrible. It's not the first time Anthony Taylor's been called out. There's a lot, a lot of players and a lot of teams yeah. very unhappy of Anthony It's not the first time he's been called out against United either. Mm-hmm. I seen something earlier and it was like, ah, in, his, in his games against, in his games where he's refereed against United and where he's refereed against City, he had given like 82 yellow cards um, to United players and he's gave 30 or something to City players in the same amount of games. But United had already complained about him too because he, against Villa, he put the wall back 15 yards instead Three. of 10. For Dinya. For the goal. Which free kick. probably wouldn't have went in if they were closer. Like I thought when Hard Web come back, we were going to be getting penalties galore and all. But it's just <laughs> the good old days. I thought the minute the United player was touching the box, I was like, "Fucking nobody does." <laughs> 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 Alex Ferguson's peril. Let's go. And the Dons were behind Ten Hag in the first game <laughs> of the season. I was thinking, "Oh, do you know what?" Here we go. Here we go. You know. Well, look, I'm going to move it on, lads, to Tottenham Hotspur three-one winners at home to Nottingham. Forest put together a very impressive performance I have to say um, so this week Spurs fans we will be praising your football <laughs> club and no doubt next week we will be very Slamming. negative about your <laughs> club so let's go to the positives then for this week um, I, I'll start off with this one lads I was actually very very impressed with Spurs very impressed yeah. with one player in particular Harry Kane of course popping up two goals um, typical Harry Kane really typical Harry Kane centre forward performance he is now uh, alongside, let me get this right, Sergio Aguero, Alan Shearer, and somebody else for scoring 20 plus goals in the Premier League consistently for more than seven seasons, I believe. Was it? Maybe it was Rooney. No, there was someone else in that conversation as well. Like, no, no, it wasn't Drogba. Drogba yeah. was actually quite an inconsistent goal scorer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he only got a few. Um, I, I can't remember who it was. It was somebody anyway. Um, Seven seasons now, he scored 20-plus goals in the Premier League. 
we're looking at a guy who, in my opinion, will break the the Premier League scoring record. Whether yeah. he's at Spurs come the end of the season, I'm just not sure. Um, but I think whoever he ends up at will still get the the same Harry yeah. Kane that we're seeing right yeah. now. Thought his goals were excellent. Penalty, definitely a penalty. Um, in my opinion, yeah. tucked away, oh, tucked away beautifully. And I just thought Spurs were very impressive. You know, Forrest have have definitely picked up the pace. Um, probably since you know like. December time from we've come mm-hmm. back from the World Cup Forest have looked decent but Spurs absolutely picked them apart yeah it was good to see really really picked them yeah. apart and just went about their business in the way that you would expect them to um, credit to them especially yeah. after getting put out of the Champions League exactly exactly and the FA Cup yeah you know look it was a difficult week for Conte to navigate and still we have this cloud hanging over Spurs at the minute as to whether he's going to remain there at the end of the season or not you know yeah. the big news obviously broke after the Champions League game that there was a strong possibility that he wouldn't be there come June to me, that looks like the likely outcome of this scenario. I can't see Conte staying past this summer, tell you the truth. Um, yeah, he'll be gone. But just in terms of the game, very impressed with Spurs and did what they needed to do. Richardson was very good too. I thought he, you know, he won a penalty, got mm-hmm. an assist, got a goal ruled offside, it was tight. Again, yeah. especially after a week where he was very vocal. Mm, yeah, he exactly. came out Wednesday and kind of... Slated, the, slated the, the management. Pedro Borough was good too. Pedro yeah, Borough was, was good. Ball into the box for yeah. the then, second goal. Second goal, I think, yes. Yeah. Hoiberg's back as well. And Son back a month ago. Yeah. So mm-hmm. maybe this is... It's hard to know as far as You can't say it, like, can you? Because I was going to say, I say every single week, maybe this is when insert uh, top four fighting team name here turns the corner. Yeah. So I don't, I don't want to say it, but maybe it is for once. Um, Force weren't great, to be honest with you. Like I said... I know that it finished 3-1, 3-0 game was kind of over. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. As I say, kind of talk about Fulham against Arsenal, going for it the last 20 minutes, and yes. Bournemouth against City and stuff. It's, it's, it's easy to do when you know you're not going to win the game. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. You have nothing to lose, mm-hmm. so you might as well throw the kitchen sink at it type thing. Look at Forrest, um, have been great since December. Their away form isn't the best, though. No, only one win. But their, their home form is more than making up for that. Um, so we're talking about relegation battles. You need to be winning your home games and getting points to your home games, yeah. which is what Force is doing. And I feel like I've said this a million times in these podcasts: these teams aren't targeting the tops, the big six, for points. Like their season's not defined by going to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium or whatever it is. So I wouldn't be too concerned about that result from a Force perspective. No, you definitely wouldn't. You definitely wouldn't. Look, I mean, it's like you said, like teams like Forest, it's not as if their away form is going to dictate whether they stay in the Premier League or not. It's as long as they keep picking up those points at home that will ultimately determine yeah. their their status in, in the Premier League. Um, just going to keep moving it on quickly here, lads. So going to go to Man City, 1-0 victors away at Crystal Palace. It took an Erling Haaland penalty to uh, break, break the dock in that game. Yeah. Um, obviously... Look, the thing I want to talk about the most is, you know, a few weeks ago we probably would have said Palace were in an okay position and now they've sort of dragged themselves right down into that relegation battle yeah, and yeah. it's it's maybe getting a wee bit sticky for them because they don't look like they're going to put any sort of results together no. here well, at the well, moment. Well, they've set a new Premier League record that nobody yeah. wants to hold. That's <laughs> three games in a row they haven't had a shot on target. Mm-hmm. They're like, so boring. Like, like I watched, I watched maybe the last twenty-five minutes of that game because I seen it was nil-nil and I was like, oh, look at on see, said he's going to drop points here. And even when City did score the goal and retreated defensively, Palace were hopeless. Yeah. Absolutely hopeless. They wouldn't press when City were passing the ball about the back with f- five minutes to go when they were one up, and Palace players wouldn't try and win the ball back. Mm-hmm. It was desperate to watch, and like once again, like it was clear penalty. No yeah. doubt, no doubt about it. It was a penalty. Um, 
at least he was a bit stupid. He was kind of unlucky. He got sucked in by going to one, good one, just showed him the ball just enough to make him go for it. Mm-hmm. And then he flicked it round him. Clears day penalty. Dispatched by Erling Holland, as you'd expect. It's Erling Holland like. And, but Palace are just so poor to watch. And they haven't done a way of winning in 2023. No. And as you said, like we talked about Palace. Bad. We, like in our mid-season review, we talk about oh, Palace are just such an average team. They're going to finish anywhere between fifteenth and tenth. They kill for that at the moment because they are in deep, deep trouble mm-hmm. and they are in yeah. a bad slide. And like we talk about teams not scoring goals, the fact that they haven't had one shot on target mm-hmm. in three games, like it's that's crazy. like surely you have one by accident. You hit, you hit a long ball too much. You can constitute it as a shot yeah. on target. Like how? Like I don't understand how a, te- a professional football team in the biggest league in the world cannot muster one shot at a goalkeeper in three bloody games. Yeah, make any sense. but like they never look like scoring either. Like even like even they'll get the shot on target. Like even take a shot or whatever you said. But like there was no creativity in that team. No, nothing, and they're playing terrible football. No, they're they're not great to be honest. And I would say that, like we're talking about managers being under fire or in trouble or whatever it is whatever way you want to you want to state it but i think you know realistically vera needs to be criticized big time here like this i think this is a manager that's underperforming with the players that he has at the minute tell you the truth yeah Uh, i don't think there's any two ways about that uh gonna move it on then newcastle 2-1 winners against wolves wolves obviously a side that we have been very impressed with over the past couple of weeks newcastle we haven't been as impressed with over these past few weeks, but managed to grind it out and, and see the game out and, and get a, a massive three points for for themselves. Really, they're hoping that this result's going to maybe you know kick them on and mm-hmm. hopefully you know kick their season on, uh, try and get them secured in those European spots. Um, personally, I think a, a player that I was I was um, very very impressed with was uh, Kieran Trippier again. Um, I know, look, he, he was a bit. Shaky for the Wolves yeah, goal. He made a balls for the goal. He did, but in saying that, what he offers Newcastle going forward, I yeah. think, is unparalleled um, to any other sort of fullback in the league this year. I think he just offers so so much, um, pushing that ball forward and being really being a player that Newcastle can look at as an out ball. And you just know if you're under pressure, you can give it to Trippier, and Trippier will will do something with it, whether it be a cross, whether it be a progressive run, a decent pass into a good area for a striker to attack. Um, I think the biggest incident from this game is, though, I think Nick Pope should have seen red. Oh, 100%. Definitely. And it, it should have been a penalty, big time. Um, you know, again, we're just talking about these in- inconsistencies with, with VAR. Why was that incident not not, not overturned? There, there's enough in that mm-hmm. to overturn that incident. So that's all I have to say on the game, really. Yeah, it's just pure inconsistencies, and that's what annoys people. We've got into it so many times, and we'll continue to get into it so many times. It's just not improving in the mm-hmm. slightest. Um, massive result for Newcastle. Um, great to see them having Isaac back amongst the goals. Yeah, that's definitely. why they spent the big money for him. As definitely. you mentioned, Trippier, great ball in the box, great header. Mm-hmm. Exactly why he was valued it so much. Yep. And he always has potential. He just needs to stay off that injury table. And, well, uh, when he plays, he scores. That's like, the thing. This is the thing about him. You know, he's only not scored in like four games this it's year. Just so frustrating. That he, he comes in, he'll have a great game. He'll play 15 minutes to the next one and he's way off injured. Yep. So it's just a matter of trying to keep him fit. Mm. And that's the concerning thing for Newcastle. And obviously, Amaron back amongst the goals. Big for them. Wolves kind of missed Sarabia a wee bit. He wasn't playing. Yeah, big time. Which is really nice. He's started my fantasy team. I thought, <laughs> I really hopeful. I thought he was going to be the man, the key that nobody else had. And I, nah, just didn't play. Happy days. But 
Wolves, have you said, we've waxed lyrical about them, have creeped back in that relegation fight. Yeah. And there's what, seven teams now separated by like six points, like four points or something. So God knows who's going to get down. I'm not even making predictions about that anymore. Like. Oh, that's strange. Yeah. Strange season, strange season. Uh, is that everybody? No, it is not. Uh, so Everton, 1-0 victors over Brentford. I called it last week. I said yeah, that mm-hmm. Everton yeah. will be the side on Brentford's um, unbeaten streak. Um, it was a weird game. You know, yeah. Brentford had chances. Everton did look better. <laughs> Huge win for Everton. It's massive, massive, massive. To be able, like, especially with the form that Brentford were in, and to be able to end a streak like that, it's like the Undertaker's WrestleMania streak. Like, you know, to be able to go in there and just take that streak down. Who would have thought Everton was fucking Brock Lesnar? <laughs> <laughs> no, look, Everton were, 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 were very impressive. I think, look, the guy I've been most impressed with is Dwight McNeil. Yes, yes. Dwight yeah. McNeil is performing at a level that we just haven't seen from him. It's almost as if you know, seeing his old boss has given him a kick up the ass, and he's yeah. Yeah. He, back he, to his Burnley days. Back, yeah. back to his best. You know, I've been really, really impressed with him these last few Definitely. weeks. Yeah, and and it was a great finish for the goal. Yeah, yeah. and then yeah. at the back they're doing better as well. Exactly, mm-hmm. three clean sheets in seven, and then before that I think under Lampard they had three in like twenty or something. So <laughs> they're doing a lot better at the back, and their home form is crazy good. Like I think that's. Third win mm-hmm. at home. At home, under all, a dish. I think they're all like 1 nils. Mm-hmm. Sure, that's, that's but look, all that's needed. If, if, if it's getting you three points, yeah. I, I wouldn't give and a they're shit. They're unlucky as well because they could have had a second goal, which is far again. Far again. Very harsh again, I mm-hmm. thought. But they'll not care. 1 nil, yeah. big result. Brentford probably didn't play that great, but why would they care? 12 unbeaten that were going in there. Um, and as you said, why is fair play? You just predicted it because I, I didn't think they were going to win that. The one thing I would say, really, is the Goodison crowd is absolutely. Like electric at times, yeah, you know. Since Stage has come in, like he's really made good as a fortress. Like I would say, you know the way people always talk about the cop, and they always talk about you know those famous European nights at Anfield, and obviously the the two clubs are from Liverpool. Like yeah, Liverpool do. They have massive following, and and they do have some special atmospheres. But like I just see Goodison like. You hear it through the TV. Mm, yeah, it's ridiculous. Like you're sitting there watching the match and. Like if you had some sort of like surround sound system or something, I, yeah. th- I genuinely feel like you feel like you would be a part of it. You feel like the crowd's on top of you. Yeah, like. absolutely. Like that, that's what Mincy said to me in, in the Everton episode of Team Talk. He said like when you are there and you're watching Everton, he said like you you're on top of it. The how close you are to the pitch, you feel like you're you're over the top of the players. And I'd say that sort of atmosphere is special. Like I'd say as a player. You you must be sitting there going, this is this is something different. How could you not get carried through games? How could you not get psyched up when you're at home to go and smash into every tackle and try your best to put the ball in the back of the net? Because it, it does just seem like a ridiculously good atmosphere. And they're losing that yeah. now at the new stadium as well. No, well, I, I don't actually don't think they will. Mincy yeah. sort of t- talked to me about how the stadium's being built, and it, it is, it's a similar sort of thing where the... Stands are incredibly right. close it's, to the pitch. Harder the fans is in that stadium. Exactly. Like since Dyke just come in, they've had four in the league. They've had four games. At Goodison, they've won three of them. One nil. Yeah. So like that just shows, like when that obviously there's a lot of animosity amongst the Everton supporters. Not that long ago. No. Some still exist there against the board and stuff and mm-hmm. against Lampard. And it shows when those when that support does get behind that team, it's like a twelfth man on that pitch. One hundred percent. Yeah. And it just shows how massive it is because. Since Dates come in, the fans have been behind him since yep. the first minute. Yep. And it's so really important shown. for his team. It's so yeah. important for Sean Dates to get players like Dwight McNeil and Demario Gray taken again because we've said it so many times in the past few weeks, they don't have that out and out goal scorer whenever no. Danny no. Calvert Lewin's no. injured. No. Like they just don't have it. So he needs his players and his wingers to be 
scoring goals and getting them through exactly. games. Yeah. And look, they paid 15 million for Dwight McNeil at the start of the year. Mm. It shows why. Do you know what I mean? He's look, showing these glimpses now why they paid for such a good player. We've said it. Like we always thought he was a talented footballer. The problem is, like we said so many times, like football stop padding now. If you don't have the stats, you're deemed as not a great player. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. just not the truth. Like mm-hmm. McNeil has always been a decent footballer. He was always the creative outlet. Apparently, he always looked like he was going to be the one player that could kick that side on and pull, pull him through games. And he's doing it at Everton now. At the minute, the only thing, the only difference now is he's starting to get the. The output to back mm-hmm. it up. Mm-hmm. So long may it continue for Everton, and I'd say Man City is absolutely buzzing. <laughs> I would say yes too. And it, look, it's it's no it's no harsh result really for Brentford. They were twelve games unbeaten. Mm-hmm. They've yeah. solidified their spot this season, and they are still pushing for European places. Yeah. So look, one loss isn't going to do them too much damage. They've no. two mm-hmm. big games coming up in this game week. Yeah. They've Southampton, and then they're at home. To, is it know. Leicester I think they're home it's to it's Leicester it's Leicester two games that are winnable yeah. two wins yeah. two winnable games so yeah. they just need to pick themselves back up and, and get ready for a busy busy week Premier League absolutely. Definitely. absolutely we'll look on to the last game of the game week then lads West Ham and Villa playing out a 1-1 draw Um I think the main person there, the main player to talk about here is Ollie Watkins. Watkins. I mean, the man just can't seem to stop scoring at the minute. Um, mm-hmm. Look, we, we've always said it, always a dangerous player, always a very clinical goal scorer. Um, but, but these last few weeks, he's really just kicked it into overdrive. He, he's, he's hanging with the best of them at the minute. And, and his, his, his FPL price is reflectant of that yeah. at the minute there. He, he is just um, 0.2 million lower in, in price than Ivan Tony at the minute, like top player, yeah. you know, top, he's. Top I when when you get a player like Watkins in in this type of form, he he he's good to watch. Like yeah. he's good to watch. Makes a lot of really really decent runs, and the, the thing I like about Watkins as opposed to maybe some other strikers in the Premier League is, he's he's really excellent at, at keeping the ball and the build up play mm-hmm. side of the game, and I, I think you know when we were talking about the England squad that was heading to the World Cup, I was very adamant that I thought Wilson deservedly should have been there at that moment in time. He was scoring goals. But I would say the one thing, the the main difference between Watkins and Wilson is, I just think Watkins, in terms of that ability to bring other players into play, is just on a bit of a different level um, than than the likes of Wilson, for example. But him and Buendia are really starting to look like there's something special could be coming along. still had him. Imagine him and Tony up front together. <laughs> Watkins is a bit like that, as you said as well. Like his stats, but all round he's a good player. But yep. now he's scoring the goals, yep. seven goals since the World Cup. Yeah, so he's been brilliant. And like West Ham and the opposite, like you were saying about the atmosphere, good as a park. Their atmosphere is brutal. There's so many white seats. Yeah, yeah. Look, I'd say Moisey will be lucky yeah. to see out the like season. A, like a boot off at the end as well. Yeah. West Ham had chances. Better been Ramish had a hat trick in this game. Yeah. There's so many times he had great chances. There's one, I think it was Ashley Young made an outrage, a really good, great block on him. Yeah. Martinez yeah. made a great save. He scored a penalty. Like it wasn't like West Ham were completely blitzed in this game and like got lucky of a penalty to finish one all. Yeah. West Ham had their own chances. Like Villa had chances as well. Watkins could have had a second. Uh, Fabianski did well to save it. Um, but it was a weird kind of game because. Like both teams had chances, but both teams didn't play great. If that makes sense, yeah. no. It, like if you watch the highlights, you're thinking, "Oh, it wasn't too bad." But then you kind of look into the game a wee bit more, and you're like, "It wasn't a great boring game. game yeah. It was a boring game where 
like it's, it's all right to make a highlight package for two and a half minutes and make a game look good but for 19 minutes it really wasn't a great game yeah. of football but look West Ham the one thing you would say about them this season is underperformance yeah. oh yeah and just Definitely. a number of underperformers with, within this side you know like you, you've talked about Ben Rama there Ben Rama's in my opinion and look it might be a wee bit controversial I don't know I, I feel like Ben Rama's underperformed since he's been at West Ham I expected Ben Rama to come into the Premier League and really be, like I'm not saying one of the top players, but expected him to be at a level where he was performing week in, week out. Mm-hmm. Almost the way Bowen was last season, I expect that of, of Ben Rama as well. Well, to be fair, like, do you remember the whole transfer saga with Ben Rama when he was leaving Bramford? Mm-hmm. Like, I know they ended up getting £30 million for him, but he was meant to go in the summer to Chelsea or something. Spurs. Through. Spurs, Spurs, was it? Well, he was, he was linked with the big clubs anyway. Fell through. End up going to West Ham the following January mm-hmm. after falling out with the Brantford owners. Yeah. So he was going in the wrong circumstances mm-hmm. and going into a team that at the time was performing well, but most importantly, they had a player in Jared Bowen who was performing well in his position. So he wasn't even starting. No. Didn't, didn't yeah. start like his first 11 games or something. Came in and scored or whatever, but ugh, I don't know. I think Ben Rama was destined to fail when he went to West Ham. Yeah, look, I don't think that's controversial to say at all. Yeah. I really do feel like... See, I think the thing with Ben Rama is people can't work out what his best position is. Mm-hmm. Is he a 10? Is he a winger? To me, personally, I like him off the left. I thought yeah. that's... At Brentford in the Championship, that's where he played his best football. It was always off the left, cutting inside and being able to just whip the ball into the top corner. That's what he was really, really good at. Um, you know, Pakita underperformed. I, people keep telling me Declan Rice is a £100 million player. In my shite, is he a hundred million pound player? You'd be lucky to get fucking forty million for him. Um, you look at some of the defenders this season that just haven't performed. I like the guy. Is it Aguard? Yeah. I think he is a good player, but he's just not doing it for West Ham. He was excellent at the World Cup, but he's just not done it for West Ham. Like the likes of Soufal, I always thought Soufal was a decent player, but. He's getting older now and probably need to replace him. Suchak's underperformed for two years. Um, Antonio's underperformed this season. Bowen's underperformed this season. The list goes on and on. Skamaka. He's, he he's not even going to get a look in now. He didn't even get on. Like no. They didn't even bring him on last week. Moise has said he is really, really not impressed with his physical stats this and he, season. He took and, uh, Paquette off and he just walked straight down the touchline. Look, it's, it's not good at West Ham yeah, at the minute, no, to be honest. They need some sort of cultural reset, I would say. Definitely. And maybe a few boys need to just nip themselves out the door there. Well, look, going to move it on to our, our picks of the week. Um, our lovely fan favourite section that everybody looks forward to um, every week. Connor, going to come to you with the first one. Who is um, this week's player of the week? I'm going to go, even though Harkin scored two goals, I'm going to go Trossard. You know, he's just been fantastic since he's come to the club. Three assists. His work rate, he's come into that false nine position um, where he probably didn't expect to be playing, but he's been fantastic. Uh and he's my player of the week. Yeah, look, it's hard to, hard to argue with a guy that he gets is, three assists in forty five like, minutes. Like. Even for Brighton earlier in the year, he's scoring a lot of goals. Like he's the third since he's came to Arsenal. He has like five assists in nine games. Yeah. He's the third most assists in the the league. Like he has been very mm. very good since he's came to Arsenal. Even before that at Brighton, he was superb as well. He yeah. scored like seven or eight goals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. And the thing is, this guy's like he's twenty seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he's in his prime. He's in his prime now. Definitely. Uh, this. This this whole uh, yeah okay like you you didn't pay the hundred million you didn't get the flashy player in Mudrick but 
Like, why would you not? Why, why, why is getting a Premier League proven guy such a bad thing? I know. Yep. You know, it, make, it makes you sit there and wonder. It was a why, steal. Why are people criticising this transfer? I know. This guy's 27 and he's one of the most consistent output players in the Premier League. I don't know. For me personally, I, I always thought Trossard was a better signing than Mudrick, to be honest. And I couldn't understand the criticism. Um, Owen, cream of the cream, boob of the week. Who are you going for this week? Yeah... I'm actually not going for a player for once or a team. I'm actually going for the BBC for making a balls and match of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but if I was going to give it a player, I kind of matched it earlier. Donnie Ward mm-hmm. was up for it. Jack Harrison was up for it. Then he scored a screamer, so he kind of unnominated himself. himself there, yeah. And then Kieran Trippier did make a balls for the goal, but also did a like, great performance. So <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't like giving it to the player for making one mistake uh, and having a great game. So, yep. yeah, yeah, the BBC for ruining match of the day and my tactical insight for the week. Yeah. I think that's far enough to be honest. You see, when you said BBC, I didn't think of the British broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I gave a laugh. <laughs> I, I thought you were talking about a player. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. No, no, no. I actually, I, I like that that pick of the BBC. To be honest, um, no. Look, in all seriousness, Owen. I agree with you. Like, um, I know this is going to sound a wee bit silly, but like, much of it is a big part of all of our childhoods, I would assume. And, and it's a big part of our lives now, too. To look, as Gary Lineker said, he has been the presenter of Match of the Day for the guts of nearly three decades, yeah. you know. And uh, to, to look, uh, I'll spoil it. Look, bottom bins extra that this is going to be the topic that we look at this week is, you know, should people with a platform in football speak their political opinions with something that, that we here think as journalists we could talk about a, a good deal and, and give a good input into but I agree with you and I, I think an absolute disgrace mm-hmm. from the BBC this week to be wrong. honest yeah. so why you're not allowed to criticise the government now is, is this what we're saying do we mm-hmm. live in some sort of dictatorship do we where you're not allowed to speak out against uh, a government no Look, I completely agree with you on made a complete balls up of it and, yeah. and like we said, a twenty minute highlight package from much of the day just this week. With no commentary or nothing yeah. just mm-hmm. shows how badly wrong they got it. The amount of people that walked out of them this weekend. I like that though. Yeah. I like how people stood up and went, Do you know what, I'm gonna stand with Gary Lineker and yeah, that's good. I, I'd say it's that pressure that probably... Well, look, we'll talk about it in the bottom bits. Yeah. There's no point giving it any more attention now when we're going to do a full segment. Yeah, so. no, fair enough, fair enough. And if you are going to listen to that episode, we're also going to look at Barcelona's corruption charge as well. Um, that's been prevalent news in football this week, and that's moving moving along swiftly. As for my FPL Player of the Week, then, I took Phil Foden last week. Unfortunately, he did not deliver the goods. Um, so I am back in the horse and I need to try and get a safety pick this week <laughs> to give myself some credibility and accountability again. So I am going to pick the guy who is in tremendous form at the minute. Uh, we've literally just talked about him. I'm going to go for Ollie Watkins. Yeah. I believe that good old Ollie is, <laughs> is going to win me some points there at home to Bournemouth on Saturday. So do me a favour, Ollie. Put the ball in the back of the net, please, and thank you. <laughs> Much appreciated. Oren, what is your opinion this week? Yeah, I'm, as the weeks go on, I'm really finding it difficult to get a new opinion every week. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, but this week, I'm, I'm going to go against what I've said all season, really, and I'm going to say that Man United need to sell David De Gea. Um, I think it's time. Um, I wouldn't be against them extending this contract and ban a number one keeper to come in. Um, 
to compete against them, but I don't think he should be United's long-term keeper anymore. Um, look, arguably the best in the world in terms of shot stopping, but as an overall goalkeeper these days, he's not he's not up there anymore. Um, his distribution is abysmal, absolutely yeah. abysmal, and it puts the team at, at risk a lot, especially for a team under Ten Hag who are playing it out from the back. So, yeah, unfortunately. And I do hate to say it because De Gea has been such an unbelievable servant for United. In my opinion, United's greatest ever goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, definitely in there with a the shout. And I, I, I do feel like I am being harsh with it, but you need to be ruthless in the Premier League, especially when you're looking to win Premier League titles. Especially with Ten Hag's style of play exactly. as well. You, like even, you seem to get real bad there. Like they nearly scored a second goal exactly. because of his mistake. I don't know where he was looking. Exactly. He's he just can't guy. pass. Puts the players under pressure. Even yeah, the players absolutely. around him. You know, absolutely. Even that Arsenal game as well, he was... Um, he was part of that game too. Yeah. It cost us game. Just so. overall, he's, he's yeah. not been good enough as a goalkeeper in the in the past few weeks, especially. But like we've talked about his distribution for years. Obviously, no, <laughs> there's nobody better at shot stopping in the world. But you need a, a number one goalkeeper who's world class in every single department. And yeah. just unfortunately, De Gea's a, a bit past it at the moment. So Look, my opinion this week is that he should be sold. Ten years since United won the league title. And in that 10 years, David De Gea has been our goalkeeper. It's been a long time. He's been at the club a long time. He's been a really, really good servant. And you would say for a period of probably three to four seasons of that period, he was there was no argument. He was the best goalkeeper in world football. Um, saved United a lot of points. And, you know, there was a reason he was always linked with Real Madrid. It's not because David De Gea is a bad goalkeeper. It's unfortunate now that... that for, well, I said it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate for De Gea now that, that we have a manager that wants to play a certain way. But it's funny, I actually read an article on The Athletic the other day and they did a full breakdown of De Gea compared to United's other transfer targets. The two targets they looked at in particular were David Raya of Brentford and Diogo Costa of Porto. And believe it or not, De Gea is performing worse in all the metrics where you would think De Gea perform, should perform better. Technically, this season, De Gea is a worse shot stopper than both Raya and Costa. His post-goal post expected XG is worse than, than both of those goalkeepers. So do you know what? I understand what you're saying. Shot stopping ways, he probably is still one of the best in the world. I don't think he is the best in the world at shot stopping. Not anymore. To me, personally, I am looking at the likes of Courtois and stuff for, for that kind of thing at the minute. I don't I don't think De Gea is quite at that level anymore. Like Raya's outperforming him this season, Costa's outperforming him this season. And the thing that the two goalkeepers like that give you as well is that that ability to, to play out. They, they have, they're very comfortable with the ball at their feet. I don't just think that's a De Gea problem, though, to be completely honest. United are still missing a tempo-controlling midfielder. And I think that's hurting them a lot at the minute as well. I think Eriksson is excellent, but he's not a tempo controller. I think Sabitzer's excellent, but he's not a tempo controller. Mm-hmm. And neither are yeah. McTominay and Fred. They've never been those kind of midfielders. United are still missing a Frankie de Jong. Somebody who is comfortable at playing out and beating a press. We don't have that at the minute. That's killing us too. There are still positions in, in Manchester United's side where you can see... Ten Hag needs to make adjustments here and make adjustments there. I still think, yes, I think Vaghorst has been good at what he's needed to do, but they still need a, a striker that suits the system. I still don't think Vaghorst is that option. You still need a striker that can score goals as well as play with the ball at his feet, and we just don't have that at the minute. So there's still weaknesses in United's team. 
But I would agree with you, uh, Oren. I think it's time maybe that we say goodbye to David Gea. As, as hard as that's going to be and as sad as that day is going to be because he is a club legend and I, I, he's given me so much joy when times haven't been great. I, lo- I love him to bits. I really, really do. I'll always love to hear. But I think it's time and for our own progression and our own playing style that, that we need to say goodbye to, to, to David De Gea, unfortunately. Hope you're enjoying the pod, David, mate. Just know that you are genuinely one of my favourite players <laughs> of all time. We love him, like and I hate, I hate, I hate having to have yeah. this conversation. To be honest, but yeah. it's the harsh reality of it. All right, moving on. Guess the player, Orn. Let's uh, let you back. take it from here. Yeah, guess players back this week. I'm not gonna lie, boys. It's gonna be difficult enough. Like. <laughs> no, no. Um, I got so, one of the easy ones. So you're you're on one, Owen Dorman. You're on six, yeah. and Richie's on nine. So it's nine, six, and one. Okay, number one. I started my career at Manchester United. However, I made my first senior appearance for Preston North for Preston North End before joining Borussia Mönchengladbach on loan a year later. Number two, I have never won a trophy in my senior career. Number three, I have played in the Europa League this season for a Turkish club. Number four, I am a striker and have scored 83 goals and have 47 assists in 384 appearances. And the final clue, 53 of my goals have come in the Premier League across three different clubs and then the all-time top Premier League scorer for one of these clubs who am I? (laughs) Jesus that's tough (laughs) so I'm going to run through them very quickly sorry just did you say when he's currently playing for a club in Turkey? yeah Oh, I don't know. Sorry. Started my career at Manchester United, however, I made my first senior appearance for Preston North End before joining Borussia Mönchengladbach on loan a year later. I've never won a trophy in my senior career. I've played in the Europa League this season for a Turkish club. I'm a striker and I've scored 83 goals and and I have 47 assists in 384 appearances. 53 of my goals have come in the Premier League across three different clubs. And I am the all-time top Premier League goal scorer for one of these clubs. Who am I? (laughs) What? Damn No. Didn't play for United. That's what I was yeah, going to think of. Didn't play for United. Didn't play for United. United, Preston, Munch and Gladbach. Such a great oh, That was his first three clubs. Could you give us a, a clue, maybe, and tell us what year? Could I give you a clue what? I could say what year he was at Mönchengladbach or what year he was at United. Well, I'll give you one clue. I, I don't hear if there's a clue coming, I get another guess because that's bullshit. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> you're right. on one. It's not as if you're good at this anyway. Yeah, like, <laughs> this could be the difference. Fucking who put 50p in <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, he made. He's made two appearances for United, two senior appearances for United. Neither of them came in the Premier League, but that was in 2011. 2011. Yeah, and we won the league that year. Is it? I'm just going to go uh, Gallo. No. Uh. Made two appearances for United in 2011. Yeah, I don't know why. I just thought, like. Is it Mama Biram No. I just thought, like, he's top scorer so. for Watford or something. I don't know. Mama Biram Juif is a good good, good guess. Uh, Owen? Uh, no, never mind. The answer is Joshua King. 
Oh, I, oh my god. Uh, I, I didn't even know Josh no King chance. was um, in playing in Turkey. No, no, like, was yeah. he playing for Fenerbahce? Is he Bournemouth? Yeah. Bournemouth all-time Premier League. I never got that. Not I packed him off FIFA last night. It's like, oh, Jesus Christ, what's this? Why did Josh King play him for fucking Fenerbahce? Yeah, Joshua King. Yeah. And then he was linked with United whenever Ollie was a Oh, yeah, he was. Yeah, that's true. Okay, number two. That was tough. That was oh, tough. I should have got that. I thought I thought one of the United boys would have got it, to be fair. Uh, number two. I have won... I have won the Champions League with two different clubs. Number two. I began my career in Spain and quickly was made captain of my first team. Number three. I left my first club in Spain in 2004 and they replaced me with Mikel Arteta. Number four. I have played with Fernando Morientes, Alvaro Morata, Rodrigo, Ronaldo Sanchez, Robbie Fowler and Kingsley Coman. And number five. I have made senior appearances for two countries, winning the Euros twice and the World Cup once with one of them. Who am I? Two countries. <laughs> yeah. Has played for two countries. He's made two senior. He's made senior appearances for two countries. One of them is not a FIFA recognised country. Yeah. I, I can't oh, I see. Yeah. It's like Catalonia. So I'm going to go through this again. I have won the Champions League with two different clubs. I began my career in Spain and quickly was made captain of my first team. I left my first club in Spain in 2004 and they replaced me with Mikel Arteta. I played with Fernando Morientes, Alvaro Morata, Rodrigo, Kingsley Coman, Robbie Fowler and Renato Sanchez. I've made senior appearances for two countries, winning the Euros twice and World Cup once with one of them. Who am I? It's worth a punt, boys. Uh, I'm gonna, I know it's wrong, I'm going to punt PK. No, yeah. not PK. Well, if he's replaced by Mikel Arteta... Yeah, I know, but I thought it was like some sort of fucking has to be a has to be a, a midfielder. Pique did start off as a midfielder, so... Yeah, that's the second, because he's fucking played for Catalonia and Spain. Spanish midfielder. Well, Catalonian Spanish midfielder, like. It's the Basque country. Yeah. Oh. Won the Champions League twice. Different clubs. Yeah. I don't, well, I didn't say he won it twice. I said he won it with two different clubs. But he might have won it more than twice. Aye. Yeah. I but he won a Champions League with one with, club and, yeah. and with another. Yeah. <sighs> Ten seconds, boys. Before I ask for a guess. Five, four, three, two, one. Richie, you're leading, so you're going to go. Chubby Alonso. Oh, he, got, he, got oh, he pulled it out of the bag! Chubby Alonso! Oh. Do you know the worst thing was? I knew it the whole time. <laughs> I just didn't say. <laughs> how, could I, how could I not think of Chubby Alonso? Who are you going to say, Doran? Not Chubby Alonso. I, anyway. uh, I was thinking Fabregas or something, but it couldn't uh, be him. He's not one of with two different clubs, Champions League. So. Very good. Yeah. Chubby Alonso, well in. Won it with Liverpool and Real Madrid. I didn't realise Basque Country actually had a team. Yeah. I knew Catalonia, yeah. though. I suppose Catalonia had to play something. Okay. The final one. Number one. I am a World Cup winner. Number two. Across my 314 senior appearances, I scored 234 goals and had 114 assists. Good, good. Unreal. 
That's good numbers. That's good. In my club career, I've played with Fabio Coentrao, Yuri Telemans, Juan Luigi Buffon, Edinson Cavani, and Anthony Martial. Number four. I've won five league titles in my career and I've been named in the Champions League team of the season four times. Oh. And number five, I have 66 goal contributions in 61 goal in, in 61 Champions League appearances. Who yeah, am Mbappe. I? Well in. Yeah. Jelly and Mbappe. Yeah. How'd you know that one? Uh, he said we're a cop and he's 314 appearances and he's so good. I was like, there has to be somebody still playing. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I was like, I, and he, he said about... Uh, Telemans was like Monaco. Monaco, Had yeah. Monaco. Well in, well in. I didn't even know Telemans played for Monaco. No. That's who you went to, yeah. from Anderlecht. Oh, see, I thought he was just Anderlecht and then to Leicester. Yeah, sorry, no, I, 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 like, I was thinking somebody like a lot older who'd like finished their career at Anderlecht or something. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, that, that, with him. that's why, like whenever I was looking them up last night and I seen Telemans went to Monaco and I had completely switched out of my mind that he yeah. sang for But yeah, played with... Fabio Comentaro at Monaco, Telemans at Monaco, Buffon at PSG, Martial at Monaco, and then Cavani at PSG. PSG. Yeah. Yeah. See, when you said Comentaro, I couldn't get Real Madrid out of my head. Uh, See, that's, yeah, 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 I was thinking Real Madrid as well. See, that's why I put it in, because I, did, I forgot he played for Monaco too. Uh, oh, I didn't even I know he played for Monaco. Too. I thought he went to sporting it's after, like, yeah. I think. See, when you list players, I don't know if the same for you, but you always just focus on one player. Yeah, yeah I try and work out where they've played. Yeah. And, yeah. I put in Cavani and Martial because I thought you were going to think United. But, I don't know. Yeah, yeah Mbapp. Mbappe. Killing Mbappe. So, the final scores end up... Owen being on his lonesome once again <laughs> with one. Connor Richards moves up to 10, double figures, first person on double figures, and Dorman moves again up to 7. So, yeah. interesting. It's tight, like. For the weeks it's ahead, it is. It's it tight. Is indeed. Thank, mm. God, thank God for Sergio Ramos. Some of them are tough, but some of them you do sit there and you're thinking, poor. I mean, reading them and I'm like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> that, that, that Josh King one, that, that really, really oh, threw me off. I'm fuming I didn't get Josh King. I don't want you to no? back, no? No. That's all I could think of when you said Munching Gladback. Never even realised he played for, for Munching Gladback. Never day. I had no idea. No, idea. no that, was, that, that was tough. Like. No idea. Well, anyway, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you very much for listening. As always, follow us on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. That is at BottomBinsPod for all of those three platforms. Uh, you can find us on the Parlay Sports app on the Apple App Store. That's P-R-L-Y Sports. We're going to have some content coming up there in the next few weeks. Um, just doing wee short videos on, on United and, and other wee things in football that, that we want to talk about. And as always, thank you for all the support. If you need to get in contact with us, you know where to find us. Drop us a message, anything you want. Drop us comments. Um, f- give us a follow on Spotify. Subscribe on YouTube. And as always, keep it bottom bins. Keep it bottom bins. Keep it bottom bins.